Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks for Tuesday, March 10th, 2020. It is Talkback Tuesday. Thank you for all the great voicemail questions. We got a ton of voicemail questions, so this Talkback Tuesday will be exclusively voicemails because I want to get to all of them, especially the people that take time to record and leave a message. I think that's very valuable. So I'm going to get to all those questions and a couple little news items to clean up here before we get to the questions as well. First, I want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast. If you don't already know, the voicemail number is 708-653-0572. Email is LockedOnBlackHawks at gmail.com. You can follow my personal account on Twitter at jzawaski670. The Lockdown account is at LO underscore Blackhawks. And you can check out my Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast at MadhousePod on Twitter. Okay, so before we get to the great questions left by the listeners over the last some were left last week you'll be able to hear some are a little older but they all still stand up they're all obviously worthy of being answered so i will definitely do that um oscar sunquist who put the hit on anna boquist on sunday was fined the maximum five thousand dollars for that hit uh adam boquist was placed in a concussion protocol as a result of the hit so nhl player safety reviewed the play and find Oscar Sundquist the maximum allowable fine, which is $5,000. I don't know. It uh, doesn't seem like terribly a lot, but uh, hey, it's the max, I suppose. So I guess there's not much more they can do. It just kind of makes it more upsetting that last n- that Sunday night now that that call was reversed. It was a major because there was no elbow. That's true. But it should have been a double minor. Because there was blood drawn, and uh, look, the player was injured. It's just kind of, I don't know. It, it's it's a frustrating. It feels like a miss. Not that the Hawks' power play was doing anything, but uh, you never know. It just takes one shot to get back in the game, and maybe just maybe if they had a double minor there to score on the power, they would have scored on that power play. So a little bit frustrating, but you know, it is what it is. But I want to update that Sunquist was fined for that hit, which I think is appropriate. And the other thing is uh, the NHL, the MLB, NBA, MLS, uh, all releasing plans on how to handle the coronavirus, which is getting kind of scary. Um, I mean, it was scary already, but if you're really paying attention to this thing, it's uh, it's not great. <laughs> it's, it's just I, I'm not laughing at it. It's just you don't really know what to say about it. It's. We've had scares before when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, diseases and, and things like that. And, and I don't recall anything being quite this ramped up. It's a little bit off-putting. Um, so the NHL, the Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, and the NBA uh, released a joint statement saying that all team locker rooms and clubhouses will be open only to players and essential employees of teams and team facilities until further notice. I also know for a fact that the Chicago Bulls and other NBA teams have been sending notes around to their uh, rights holders, the TV stations, the radio stations, saying who are the absolute essential employees that you have that need to be in the building for a game. Send us the absolute essential list, home and road, and it looks like that's probably who's going to be accommodated as this thing sort of uh, works itself out. Um, At the score, we've talked about how we're going to handle it. If this coronavirus does truly become something that people are fearing it might become, and we're talking about doing shows remotely, working from home, which is very difficult to do in radio, Um, but this is what we're living with right now, and uh, boy, 
I don't know. I, I didn't think I'd ever see this. It's just something from a movie almost. And hopefully, you know, the awareness that's been created over the last little bit uh, will help people kind of uh, over prepare and overcompensate for this thing. And it will it'll die out or it will weaken or before it becomes a major, major problem, lose some steam. But it definitely doesn't feel like that's the way it's going right now. So uh, the NHL and the other sports leagues taking big precautions, probably wisely. Look, it's better to overreact than to underreact. Uh, so it's going to be a little bit of a different kind of a feel at games. And look, it wouldn't surprise me if this thing keeps growing at the rate it's growing to see some games played in, in, in empty arenas. It's happened in some soccer games already. Uh, the Italian League, is has, uh, they've suspended their season. This is a major, major thing. And uh, it's it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out sports-wise. I mean, the effects in the economy are already huge. Um, but, man, this is something that I, I never really dreamed. I guess I just sort of assumed, like, oh, whatever comes around, we'll just figure it out. And, you know, we got enough scientists and doctors working on things, and, and it'll never get to that level. Well, here we are. And uh, we're seeing some major. I mean, look, none of these leagues take these decisions lightly. I promise you that. I promise you that. This is a big deal. And I'm glad to see that sports leagues and universities and businesses are getting ahead of it. They're making tough decisions uh, and are saying, you know, economics be damned. We have to do what's best for people and best for society. And uh, hopefully, like I said, they're being over safe, over cautious. That's way better than being underprepared. So, ugh. all right, let's get back to some good old hockey. But first, want to tell you. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans, but you may not know that Locked On Blackhawks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Hawks fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners, not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Hawks fans and a predominantly male audience that's well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising. All right, it is time for Talk Back Tuesday here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Once again, thanks to everybody for submitting their voicemails, 708-653-0572, lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com. Those voice memos, you'll hear them. They sound pristine. They sound so great. It's like you're sitting right next to me here in my basement studio using air quotes. Basement studio meaning room with a desk full of crap that has nowhere to go yet. That's my basement studio. Maybe that's why the acoustics are so good, because it's full of cardboard boxes to absorb the sound. All right, right to it. We're going to do just voicemails today to make sure we accommodate everybody. So here we go. Hey, Jay, it's Spencer. With Laner getting traded at the deadline and now all these details coming out where it seems that he's unhappy with uh, the way that he exited Chicago, what do you think that means for the future of the Chicago goaltending situation? Um, are we going to see another one to two years of Corey Crawford on a shorter deal? 
do you think will pursue someone else in the goalie market in free agency? And then also Malcolm Subban, I believe his contract expires at the end of this season. Do you see the Hawks trying to bring him back as a backup or just going with uh, the goaltenders that they have in Rockford? Thanks, Jay. Spencer, thanks so much for the question. Uh, There's a couple possibilities here, and I think my – if I'm guessing – I would think they're going to try to find a deal with Corey Crawford where he comes back for maybe, you know, a year or two, probably two if they're going to lock him up. Um, And I I don't feel terrible about that. I I think the big fear that all of us have with Corey Crawford, it's not his play. It's not his goaltending by any means. It's his health. And he's had so many, um, you know, difficult concussion situations and there's been a lot of people, and I, I was among them, that thought that maybe Corey Crawford should have retired a while back. But since then, he's been relatively healthy. He's played very well. So he's bounced back well from the concussions. He's taken some hits as well, and he's bounced back pretty well. So if I'm predicting the Blackhawks goalie situation, I would definitely think it will be Corey Crawford uh, next season. That's That would be my guess if I'm, if I'm, if I'm laying down money. That's, that's my guess. Corey Crawford's back looking at some of the uh free agent goalies that's that's sort of a different sort of thing I don't I don't know it's going to be interesting because it's hard to predict what the salary cap's going to be it's definitely going up there's no doubt about that it's definitely going up but how much the Blackhawks can invest in goal it's, it's that's a question because you know they already invested this year, what, $11 million in goal, and it didn't get them to a playoff spot. And I don't know. I'm just going through the list here. There's no one that really inspires me as far as a guy who's going to make a huge difference in goal. Obviously, Braden Holpe, 30 years old, is a free agent. He will make huge money. I predict him that he will probably get the biggest, even though he's having a down year this year, he will probably get the biggest free agent contract of those goalies. Robin Leonard will be right there with him. Then you've got 39-year-old Craig Anderson. No, right? 36-year-old Jimmy Howard, who has a 4.2 goals against this year. He's on a bad team, no doubt. Matt Murray is 26. He has a sub-90 save percentage this season. Um, Jacob Markstrom from Vancouver is an unrestricted free agent. Yaroslav Halak is 35. Anton Hudobin is 34. Mike Smith is 38. These are the names. There's not a lot of super inspiring names on here. So I think to me it makes sense to maybe give Corey Crawford another year or two and see if you can develop Kevin Lankin. And now the problem is Lankin is hurt. He's down and 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 he's not gonna be able to play until next season. He's out for the year. So I what I would do here, and I mentioned this on the Madhouse podcast on Monday is use the rest of this season to evaluate everybody. And that includes giving Malcolm Subban a start in goal, several starts in goal, to see what he's got. Is that a guy you want to lock up? He hasn't performed well in his NHL career yet. If you give him three, four, five starts here towards the end of the year and you like what you see, you could probably sign him to a cheap deal for a year or two and see what you got. And if you don't like him, you can get rid of him in the expansion draft or whatever. But... That's what I'm doing. I'm looking at bringing back Corey Crawford 
and developing one of the guys you have in the system, Malcolm Subban, Colin Delia, Kevin Lankin, and et cetera. Hey, Jay, Colin in Pittsburgh. Um, just listen to your last podcast and just want to say, I don't think it's people disrespect Corey Crawford. Um, I think they certainly um, are very thankful to have him and for what he's did and the two cups and all that. But I just think um, they thought that the two previous seasons were kind of derailed by goaltending, by his injuries, not his fault. But um, they may have made the playoffs if the goaltending hadn't been a disaster after he went down. So when they got Leonard, um, clearly you know that was a, a solid backup or as a you know an A one A B situation, and that uh, Leonard was hopefully going to be the future of goaltending because Corey's what thirty four, so you know he doesn't have you know a, a lot of time left. So I think that was the big problem. I think that's why he people were so fond of Leonard versus. Uh, I don't think they were really disrespecting uh, Corey Crawford. And then I think you definitely have to get rid of Bowman, even if it's over Colleton, because Colleton can be <laughs> let go later by the new guy. But I think Stan has uh, had a pretty disastrous year. Uh, most most of his moves haven't worked out from Nylander, uh, Shaw, DeHaan. So, yeah, Stan needs to go. Uh, you can keep Colleton, and who knows. But, Yay. Colin, thanks as always for the email. First to the Corey Crawford thing. I don't think that the, and maybe I expressed this poorly when I said it initially, I don't think that the Crawford disrespect is necessarily tied into Robin Leonard. I was sort of surprised that Robin Leonard had won the hearts of Blackhawks fans so quickly when Corey Crawford had played at an equal level for nearly a decade, won two Stanley Cups, and hasn't seemed to work his way into the hearts and souls of Hawks fans in, in that time. But it's not necessarily tied to Leonard. I'd felt this way about Crawford for a long time, that Hawks fans didn't seem to really associate him like they did Taves and Kane and Keith and Seabrook. And yeah, those guys all have one more Stanley Cup than Crawford. But look, he was a huge part of those two championships. A lot of people point to that first round series against Nashville where Scott Darling had to come in and save the day. Acknowledge that's true. But go back and look at the great goalies throughout history. Most of them have had a playoff game or two or three or a series or two or three where they've been pretty bad. Um, expecting perfection is tough. Corey Crawford's been tremendous, and I encourage you. I've done it many, many times, but go on HockeyReference.com and check out Corey Crawford's place among the Blackhawks legends. He is right there. As for the bowman Cowton thing, Cowan, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's time to make a change, and it's hard for me to envision a new if they fire Stan Bowman, which I will go on the record again and say I think is highly unlikely. Um, but if they do what they should do and fire him, I think that it's hard for me to. I know it's hard for me to imagine them giving the new GM Jeremy Cowan as a head coach. That doesn't make sense to me. He hasn't accomplished enough to have earned the right to play for another GM, right? I think Jeremy Cowan's gotten a fair shake. He's gotten a fair look. Maybe down the road he'll be a great coach. Maybe he'd be a great coach with another group of guys. But it just did not work out with this group of veterans that have accomplished so much that it would really put Jeremy Cowton in a bad spot. So I can't imagine a world where Bowman goes and Cowton stays. But if I had to choose one, don't make me choose. One more segment to go here on Talkback Tuesday on Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you so much for the great questions. We got to get through these quick. We are running out of time. Hey, Jay. Evan from Florida here, just a big-time fan of the show. Watching Alex Nylander score the goal on Tuesday night against Anaheim, it was really a goal scorer's move, and I looked at his stats. 
He has 23 points in 61 games this year, and he's a minus three. You know, everybody hates on Nylander, and I do too. I'm in that camp. I think that it was a terrible trade to get rid of Joki Haru for him. But at the same time, everybody universally praises Drake Kajula. And I look at his numbers. He's got 15 points in 37 games. If you prorate that... He's at 24 points over 61 games, so only one more point than Nylander, and he would be at minus 8, whereas Nylander is a minus 3. Do we chastise Nylander because of what we gave up to get him, whereas for Kajula, we got him for basically nothing with it in, a, in that trade with Anaheim? I'm just, I mean, there's no way Drake Kajula can score a goal like Alex Nylander scored in that 2-on-1 with Taves last night, and I, I just... I just don't know if we're not giving Nylander a long enough leash or if there's some untapped potential there, but I just am curious why Kajula's held in such high regard playing most of his shifts on the first line with Taves, whereas Nylander is, is getting such universal, uh, you know, kind of chastisement from Blackhawks fan base. So curious your thoughts on that. Evan, thank you so much for the voicemail. Funny you mentioned this. I was actually thinking about this in the shower this morning because I'm a sick individual, and that's the sort of thing I do because I'm a weirdo. Uh, but I do think that part of the reason there's a big microscope on Alex Nylander is because he was traded for Henry Okaharu. There's no doubt about that. Had he been acquired for a draft pick or Dylan Secura or a prospect you'd never heard of, I think people, and maybe myself included, would feel a little more satisfied with the collective effort of Alex Nylander. However, you give up Henry Okaharu, who you'd been touting as your top defensive prospect for years, and he goes to Buffalo and has some success and looks like the guy that everyone thought he was going to be and plays big minutes and is a contributor and is a good player and is sort of exactly what the Hawks could have used this year. And now Nylander's here, and even when the trade was made, it didn't really feel like enough for Henry Okaharu. So, yeah, that, that, that microscope is going to be on Alex Nylander just like it was on Alexei Zhamnov when he was acquired for Jeremy Roenick. Look, Zhamnov was a really good hockey player. One of the best second-line centers in the game. The problem was he was in Chicago, so he was the first-line center. But excellent two-way forward, could score, a great playmaker, but he wasn't Jeremy Roenick. And because he wasn't Jeremy Roenick, Hawks fans were never going to embrace Alexei Zhamnov. Now, I'm not saying Henry Okaharu is Jeremy Roenick. But it's kind of the same idea. There's a lot of times where players are traded for beloved players. And they're just never accepted because of that. And let's put it this way. Like if the Cubs ever trade Chris Bryant, it'll take a lot for Cubs fans to love the guy who they bring in for Chris Bryant. Right? It's it's tough to do that. It's tough to, to justify that love for fans that are passionate. And I understand that. I get it. I totally get it, but I think just in general, when a move is made you don't like, try to look at it as objectively as possible. I, I've tried to do that this year with Alex Nylander. Maybe I've failed at times, but look, you see it. I said it last night. There's flashes where you say, that's it. That's why the Hawks like this kid. And then there's those moments where you just want to th throw your TV out the window. Hopefully those great moments start to overlap those bad moments and he becomes a more consistent player if he becomes a 40 50 point guy you can say the Hawks did a good job on that deal 
but it hasn't happened yet. Hey, Jay, it's Aiden from Flagstaff, Arizona. Assuming you could control how many games the Blackhawks win or lose over the last 16, what would be better for their chances of making playoffs and potentially making a run for the Stanley Cup in the coming years? Winning the rest of their games and possibly a wildcard spot to get some of their younger guys' experience? Or losing out and having a higher chance at winning the draft lottery to draft an NHL-ready player? Thanks for the message, Aiden. Appreciate that. Uh, it's 10 games left now for the Blackhawks. They've got one, two, three, four, six, eight games left in March. And then, uh, oh, I'm sorry, eight, nine, I'm sorry, one, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. There's 13 games left this year for the Hawks. 13 games left. So, I mean, to win out and make the playoffs would probably be very beneficial. But if they're going to go like 500 here down the stretch, their draft pick isn't going to be someone who's going to make an impact right away. Uh, if they lose out, maybe. But that's this team doesn't play that way. And you can't expect the Hawks to just sort of lay down. Look, say what you want to say about their talent. Say what you want to say about their consistency. But for the most part, I'd say 9 out of 10 games, the effort level is where it needs to be. And like last night's game, or Monday night, I'm sorry, Sunday night's game, they the games where they look really overmatched or really out of it, most of those you could probably credit to the opponent playing very well. And I think that's what the St. Louis Blues did on Sunday, and that's why the Hawks looked a little bit lifeless at times. But they're just not the sort of team that's going to lay down and just let the league run roughshod over them. They're going to finish with pride. Uh, when you got Taves and Kane and Keith and all those guys on the team, they're not just going to be like, well, let's get a better draft pick. It's just not in their character. And it might be kind of frustrating and maybe not ideal, but you've got three Stanley Cups because of it. So I would embrace that attitude, even though it might not be the best outcome for the 2020-21 Blackhawks. Hey, Jay. Ryan calling here from deep within Red Wings country, and I've got some front office questions, uh, mostly about the offseason. My issue is this. Coaching in the NHL with the players at that level doesn't seem to have a whole lot of responsibility. And I feel like the main things a coach in the NHL is supposed to do is create a culture for the team, create a culture around the players, make sure that there's effort day in and day out, and above all else, create a consistency. Consistency with the roster, consistency, again, with the effort. And I feel like Jeremy Colleton is absolutely punted on all three of those aspects. I'm really not happy with the job he's done. And I guess going forward, my question is, it doesn't seem like the team is getting ready to get rid of Stan Bowman, uh, which is shocking to me. But if they keep Stan Bowman and they get rid of Jeremy Colleton, do you feel like they're just going to rehash another NHL name, somebody like Gerard Gallant? Do you feel like they give a newcomer another shot, considering how poorly the Jeremy Colleton experiment went? Where do you see them going uh, if they do decide to go new head coach but keep Stan Bowman as the GM? Uh, as always, keep up the good work. Love listening to the podcast, and I can't wait to hear your answer. Thanks. Thank you for the voicemail. Uh, all right, first on Jeremy Colleton. Uh, your message received on those things that Cowan has missed out. I will I will take exception with one thing. The consistency of the lineup has been difficult because there's been a lot of long-term and significant injuries on this team this year. Uh, so there's been a lot of times he's been forced to play guys that maybe aren't ideal or maybe wouldn't make, you know, wouldn't be the guy you would choose. 
there were a few moments early in the year where guys just played against their old teams and were like, what, what are you doing? Like, things are going fine. Don't mess with things, whatever. And those are sort of slight complaints. For me, it's the usage of the guys on the ice. Dylan Strom should be playing center. Dominic Kubelik should not be set up in front on the power play. It takes away his two best assets. Things like that, right? Like, uh, Ryan Carpenter should not be your second-line center. Just those are the sort of things that Cowan has done that bug me. Uh, I do think you talked about building a culture. That, for him, from day one, was going to be basically impossible because the culture was built. The leadership personalities on the team are stronger personalities than he is. So... That, to me, is when you made that hire, how is that not considered? It's one thing to bring in the hot new coaching prospect, and that's what Jeremy Cowan was when he was brought in. Most people agree it was a year or two probably early for him, but he wasn't going to change Jonathan Taves and Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook. And, you know what I mean? Like That's a really weird, tough spot for him to be put in. So I don't totally blame him for the lack of ability to do it that was more of a hiring issue for me as for the next head coach of the Blackhawks um to me the obvious choice is Mark Crawford the players really like him he's got respect around the league uh there was the hiccup this year with the things from his past coming up which he addressed which he handled which he was suspended for he admitted mistake he's working on improving I don't know what more you need to hear from from Mark Crawford on that uh, everyone knows that listens to this or the Madhouse podcast. I'm a huge advocate for mental health and self-improvement. And it seems like Mark Crawford has done those sort of things to make himself a better person overall and, and then a better hockey coach as well. So that to me is obvious. Gerard Gallant, not hired yet. Definitely an interesting name. I do find myself kind of wondering, like, why does he keep getting fired? Like, what's what's going on for a guy with that much success? What is happening that organizations can't seem to keep him around for a long time but if i'm making a change i'm just giving it to mark crawford the players really love him uh he looks like he's in command on the bench anyway so that's my move i think it's pretty simple that's what i would do hey jay mr neutron here and i am not in east africa just wanted to chime in and disagree with some of your comments regarding sunday night's nbc broadcast of the blackhawks and st louis hockey game First, I'll preface my comments by stating it is not gender-based. I find Pat and Eddie broadcasts to be marginally acceptable when they're at their best. I found the Sunday night broadcast to be highly distracting to the game action. It was essentially nonstop, irrelevant babble, occasionally interrupted with play-by-play calls Something along the lines of, well, that was a shot by the Blackhawks, blocked by a St. Louis player. Sorry, but I just don't consider this informative or inciting play-by-play call. I even tried muting the sound and to listen to the radio call, but unfortunately it was lagging too far behind. A Pat and Eddie call is bad, but not quite as bad as the Sunday night call was. I hope if NBC continues with this format... They'll provide those announcers with some helpful tips on how to call an informative and at least a somewhat exciting play-by-play. Leave the non-play babble for downtime. Anyway, thanks, Jay. I enjoy both the Locked On Blackhawks and the Madhouse podcast. Look forward to the next podcast. Take care. Mr. Neutron, thank you for the voicemail. Uh, I believe you that you're uh, dis 
disdain, not disdain, that's too strong. Your dislike of Sunday night's broadcast is not coming from a place of sexism based on what you said about Eddie O and Pat Foley. And I hear that a lot. I think that's a stylistic sort of a preference. I don't mind if the broadcasters stray from what's happening on the ice from now and again because it's on the, I can see it. I see what's happening. I can see there's uh, things are plugged up in the neutral zone or they're, you know, it's an icing player, whatever. I don't need every moment of the game described to me by my TV commentator. Now, on radio, John Weideman does exactly that, and he's great at it. So when I'm listening to my radio, I can see in my mind's eye everything that's happening. That's perfect for radio. I don't need that on TV. But I've heard a lot of people with similar complaints about Eddie O and Pat Foley that there's too much aside, there's too much laughter, too much grab-ass, whatever you want to call it. I like hearing the personality of the broadcasters. I think that's important. And I'm not going to pretend like 60 minutes of every game is crucial and needs constant, constant description. It's just, to me, it's not true. Um, But again, that's a taste thing. It's a taste thing. And one thing you did point out about Sunday's broadcast, and I I will say this, there were a few times where they identified Blackhawks and Blues players not by their name. Like, oh, a shot blocked by the Blackhawks. Finding every number on the ice is also very difficult for a play-by-play person. So if you see a shot blocked, you have to be pretty skilled and pretty experienced to assume who that was based on positioning and handedness and all those things. And those are the tools that Pat Foley and John Wideman have used for years where I can't see the jersey number, I can't see the face, but I know he's on the left side, he's our left-handed defenseman, it's probably blah, 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 blah. These are the sort of tricks that people learn as they get more experience in the field. So I heard that a couple times and I did note it in my mind. Like, oh, it's a little different. Something can be improved. But again, that's that's an experience thing. It's not a talent thing. It's not an ability thing. It's an, it's how it's truly learning how to cheat when you don't, can't see the player's number. So I think that will come. Uh, but again, that's your preference. If you wanting the action called all the time, some people like it that way. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't mind the more casual call of a game because, like I said, it's right there in front of my face. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Talk Back Tuesday. Thank you all for the great voicemail questions. Really, really good stuff. Want to give you a heads up? I'm leaving town again from the 23rd to the 27th. Uh, it'll be a similar plan to what last week was, but uh, I'm going to start compiling Talk Back questions. So if you have general, long-term Hawks questions... Get them into me now, and I'll start saving them. Lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com or the voicemail 708-653-0572. I'm going to start saving some of those so I can have them. I'm going to try to do three or four big, long mailbag segments that week uh, to, to fill the content when I'm out of town. It's been years since I've gone on an actual vacation, a spring break, break vacation, and I'm doing it this year. My daughter's ready. My family's ready. It's already paid for. It's happening so, uh, yeah, if you want to start getting those questions in now about off-season plans, contract signings, whatever, Stan Bowman's future, Jeremy Cowlton's future, all those things, whatever you want to ask, start getting them in. And if you don't hear them next Tuesday, it could be because I'm saving them for the following week. So send those in again, 708-653-0572, LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks. Now that you've done that, check out the latest episode of Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Ask your smart speaker to play Locked On Fantasy Hockey. We will talk to you Wednesday with a full preview 
of the Sharks game and a whole lot more here on Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.